This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for February 25th, 2024. This is season 13, episode number 26, and episode 411 of the long-running podcast that is the Power Play Post Show. Hello, everybody. I am Bob Howard, and welcome to the weekend wrap-up show for uh, this weekend and what a crazy weekend it was. Without a doubt, probably the craziest stuff you could see in a three-game, three nights for the Binghamton Black Bears. But they capped it off, obviously, with clinching on their own terms. And that's the best part about this, right? They didn't have to worry about Watertown and what Watertown did tonight or doesn't do you know, in the game that they've got that is going on right now. But they took care of business themselves. And they did it with a short bench. Again, Another short bench, and the Black Bears come together, and they really just put off a great effort. And uh, they get a win in a very hostile environment. Uh, We'll talk about how hostile it did get uh, because it looked like there was some craziness that happened at the end of the game. And we don't know all the details, but we'll just talk about what we do know. Uh, The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. We keep getting new members all the time. Just go to Facebook and search for Power Play Post Show and share with all your friends, especially if they're hockey fans. Check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton hockey information and curiosity. And on this edition of the Power Play Post Show... We have Black Bears head equipment manager Dylan Konecki. Uh, Konecki, wow! I'm gonna Dylan. I'm gonna try this one more time. Okay, Binghamton Black Bears head equipment manager Dylan Konecki. Um, and uh, what a great kid! I love, I love Dylan. I love the videos that he shares and everything that he does uh, for the Binghamton Black Bears. And he loves his job. He just absolutely loves this. You know, this is a kid who. Played high school hockey here locally in Binghamton. And then, of course, played uh, for BCC, which a lot of kids do that are local here. They go and they, they, they played for BCC before the program shut down. And uh, he's like, I still want to do this. And he was an equipment manager for the Binghamton Devils in the AHL. And he's still cutting his teeth. He knows that. He knows that he's still learning and he has to uh, grow. And he's he's so like excited about this team and where they are this year, just as much as everybody. So we get a great interview with Dylan um, for your listening pleasure. You'll probably be listening to this on Monday. I understand. I'm recording this at eight o'clock on a Sunday. Uh, I've conversed already with uh, Nolan Egbert, and I've also conversed with uh, Brant Sherwood, giving you guys. All the information I can and all the excitement. This team is really excited about how this weekend went, even though there was a bunch of crazy involved in it. So let's let's get this going and let's break down these games. And of course, we'll start with well, first of all, a successful three games in three nights with all wins 
in all three games. And there was a bunch of different scenarios that you could get to the 13 points that you needed for the magic number. Yes, they're only winning nine points if you get all nine wins in regulation. But because you're playing against Watertown and Watertown was not going to be able to secure some points if the Black Bears won in regulation or at least won the games, that the actual um, magic numbers compute to more than just three points. It's a little confusing, I realize, especially if you're new to hockey and everything. Uh, But that's why you have people like myself and Gary Ryan to figure out those numbers. And Gary Ryan does such a great job explaining some things. And I want to thank Gary right off the top for making sure that we had all these numbers correct. I know the Black Bears came to me and... uh, uh, I know that you really was dispersing the information very well and did a great job. So, Gary, thank you very much. Uh, I know you're probably listening in the truck right now. Uh, just give me a thumbs up or just talk your horn. I won't hear or see it, but I'll know. All right. So, in the first game, which was on Friday night, it was a win over the Watertown Wolves 6-3 to three in front of a sellout um, crowd at home. Three points earned, six points towards the magic number. That started at 13, so we were down to seven by the end of the Friday night game. So let's talk about the Friday night game, okay? Um, obviously, you know, 6-3 win, right? Um, pretty pretty uh, good game for the Binghamton Black Bears. Uh, you know, they started off very quickly. Connor Smith got that goal at the 106 mark, uh, which was really responded to very quickly by the by the Watertown Wolves. They scored at 221. So, I mean, all that happened in just a minute and 15 seconds, right? Uh, Mark Patero scored for the Wolves. Then, I mean, you, you can't you can't script this, right? A minute and nine seconds later, uh, Joshua Tomasi scores for the Watertown Wolves, and now the Wolves are up two to one in our home rink. And, you know, we have a full crowd. Everybody's in there. It got a little uh, nervous. The rest of the first period basically was played uh, with some incidences, yes. So, uh, you know, basically you had an instigator. Well, first of all, all the craziness kind of started to happen on the Friday night game at the 6-12 mark, okay? Uh, you know, Basically, a couple roughings. Uh, there was an instigator by Joshua Tomasi. That got Jake Schultz involved. Um, and then basically the, the, the two penalties that are interesting is, is that there was a fighting after the original altercation game misconduct. But people were confused about this. And the only thing that we could come up with, uh, with my conversations with the Black Bears and, and just in general, was is that there was an initial roughing incident that happened um, with Donald Oliveri and Joshua Tomasi. And I think they were considering this to be the initial altercation okay and then as joshua tomasi was being escorted to the penalty box jake schultz kind of skated his way tomasi was kind of like mouthing off to jake and jake was giving it back to him they eventually decided to drop the gloves and that's basically what happened here. Now, I can tell you for a fact the league was going to suspend him for the same amount as they did with Bryce Farrell, which was give him six games for coming off the bench. The Black Bears argued this vehemently. You can't give somebody an instigator penalty and then turn around and punish the other guy more just because he went off the ice and then came back on the ice part of shift changes and 
say that, you know, it's the same thing as what you know, happened with Bryce Farrell. I mean, the puck was stopped at that point, or the, the play was stopped at that point. So craziness there, right, already, right? So Jake Schultz is out. He gets a game misconduct. He's done. He's also done for the next game, right? And I was worried that particularly that this was going to cost Jake basically the rest of the season, right? Six games, and then you have to figure out how do you get him still to 15. He was only at a certain amount. The math was going to even get more crazy than the magic number stuff, right, to get Jake Schultz. Luckily, it's only down to one game, and he played on Sunday. So he's getting closer to that 15 games played because we really want him in the playoffs. You really want somebody who's got the experience, who's got the size, who's got the defensive ability that Jake Schultz has. So you don't want that. So this was craziness right off the bat. But again, if there's one thing, if there's one knock I can say about the Binghamton Black Bears, they react to everything that happens on the ice and it gets them in trouble sometimes. That's it. It's... It's just part of their character. You know, we all have character, maybe flaws or unique things. That's the one thing with the Binghamton Black Bears. They they react to almost everything, and it gets them in trouble sometimes. But either way, that's all for not. Obviously, uh, that happened and whatnot. The rest of the uh, period kind of went kind of quiet after that. Okay, so let's get back to the scoring. Okay, so uh, in the second period... Uh, Steven uh, uh, Gerbis got his first goal as a black bear and as a, as a professional at the 245 mark, right? So that got us tied back again. Then Andrew Logar doing Andrew Logar things, which is scoring on the power play, his ninth uh, power play goal, uh, 12th uh, goal of the season, and he is already, you know, just looking like a power play specialist. And, you know, last year I think he had like, what, three power play goals, if I remember correctly. So he's really uh, moving up there in the ranks of all-time Black Bears power play goals, which is pretty cool in, in itself. Uh, that was all the scoring there in the second period. Black Bears are up 3-2. to two. Okay. Uh, then after that, uh, Watertown gets another goal by Trevor Lord, of course, right? 39 seconds into the uh, – to the first period. I think it was the first shift the, uh, of the period for Trevor Lord. He gets a goal. Now we're looking at a 3-3 tie. This is where the Black Bears turned it on and just finished the game off, which you would expect from a number one uh, team in the division, right? At the 347 mark, Tyson Kirkby gets a, um, a goal, and then Austin Thompson gets two straight goals after that, all within 17 seconds of each other. Austin Thompson, wow, what a... Two shifts, I guess, back-to-back where you score uh, these goals. Congratulations. I talked to Austin after that game because they were doing the jersey auctions for Asha. What a great jersey. If you haven't seen pictures of that jersey, just go on to the Power Play Post Show Facebook uh, group and take a look at some of the pictures that I posted. Beautiful jersey, and I think all the fans really enjoyed it. Now, one other interesting thing that happened within this um, game was the – um, fight between Jesse Anderson and um, Jesse Anderson and Carter Thornton. Okay, um, so there was an incident where um, he, you know Jesse Anderson was cross-checked down to the ice at the fifteen thirty-five mark. Okay, and 
it, I mean, I, listen, I love Jesse, and I know he's going to listen to this, or some of the guys are going to hear this. He got his ass rocked, right? I mean, he was hit pretty hard. It was a, it was a strong cross check. They weren't the play wasn't even going on, and he gets called for embellishment. It's like what, what, embellishment? He got his ass rocked. I'm sorry. I love Jesse. I shook his hand on Saturday. I think it was. You know, I, I, sorry, it wasn't embellishment. It was total screw up by the officials. Well. I think that set off Jesse even more that he wasn't even called for anything. He goes to the box. He's mouthing it off with uh, uh, Carter Thornton. It was great. He, he squirts water on Carter and says, basically, listen, when you come back out, we're going to go. And they went and they fought. Well, then this is where it even gets more ridiculous. And you guys have seen the pictures on my Facebook page, right? Our Facebook group. The, the He gets tagged not just for the fighting major, but then he also gets tagged for equipment violation, jersey not tied down. Oh, trust me, it was tied down. But some of these new jerseys, you can pull them up over the head and the jersey can stay tied down. And I, I don't know how the linesmen or the referees, you know, thought it, it wasn't tied down. It it, it was. Uh, come up with a, you know, a different name for it if you don't want the jersey pulled up over the head and, and, and pulled off. Uh, but ridiculous. I know Jesse was really upset. He was more, I think Jesse Anderson, honestly, from my conversations with him on Saturday, he was more upset with the officials than I think he even was with Carter Thornton. Right. I mean, that's that part of the game. Carter came up. He was frustrated. He cross checks him down. I think, I think Jesse Anderson, to be perfectly honest, was more pissed off about the embellishment call and the equipment violation because Jesse did not want to be suspended for a game. He was worried about that. Luckily, that didn't happen. Either way, um, great crowd, 4893, sell out for the Binghamton Black Bears, and they get this win, right? They get the magic number down to seven. Everything is looking good, right? So we move on to Saturday night. And Saturday night's all right for fighting. All right. I like that. I like that. That was the little tagline I went. So Saturday night was a win over the Watertown Wolves, 6-5 to five in the shootout. Again, in front of a sellout crowd at home. Two points earned for the win because it was in the uh, shootout. Four points towards the magic number. And that started at seven, which got them down to three. So now in this game, uh, again, very interesting uh, game and some interesting stuff that happened within the game. Obviously, some fighting happened in this game, a couple fights. But, uh, the, you know, the uh, the Watertown Wolves started off this game uh, with a, a couple goals. First, on the power play from Trevor Lord. Um, that was at the 13-20 mark of the first period, right? So we had a little bit of a kind of quiet back-and-forth play. Uh, there was a couple, you know, some minors, right? You know, a high-sticking uh, minor, another high-sticking minor, both from Andrew Uturo and then uh, Steven Gerbis, you know, the the, the new guys. Uh, Tate Leeson got a two-minute um, tripping minor. Uh, Liam Anderson got a, a slashing. And then then we got to the 12-25 mark, and JT Walters and Gamatsov, who was a former Black Bear, they, they got into a tussle, a little bit of a fight. Not crazy fight because again these two are not really fighters but I, I think they felt they needed to do that uh, Justin Samaro who returned to the Black Bears on Friday didn't play on Friday uh, I think got to uh, the team late um, but he was there 
he um, obviously played um, on, on Saturday. He had a slash and minor. So that was kind of like his first thing. Now, the one thing I did not mention was is that Connor McAnanima was supposed to – on Tuesday, last Tuesday when I talked to Coach, Connor McAnanima was going to get the start on Monday, and Nolan Egbert was going to get the start on Saturday. That changed when Connor McAnanima got sick. And they decided, all right, we're going to start Nolan. We're going to move him up and put Nolan um, in there for the game on Friday. Okay, and he got the win. He looked good. Uh, he had, a, you know, those first two goals. Even Nolan said, you know, uh, probably he wished he could have back and and do things a little bit differently. Uh, but those were also odd man rushes too. And and and. NHL goalies get beat on odd man rushes, so you 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 can't you can't crucify him too much for that. Listen, he got the win, right? He got that win right there. And then in this game here, what was interesting is is Sam started this game. Sam uh, Sam Levici uh, started this game, right? So the Watertown Wolves go up uh, two goals. Black Bears come back and they score a goal in the second period, 8.52 win. Justin Samaro, his return, he gets a goal. Okay. Then on the power play, uh, Joshua Tomasi uh, scores to make it 3 to 1 Wolves. Tate Leeson then makes it um, just 37 seconds later. Tate Leeson makes this a 4 1 game. Then it became a 5 1 game with a Michael Mercurio power play goal in the third period at 3.15. Now, this, the second period also had some fights, okay? Don and Oliveri got in a fight uh, with uh, Chase Debari, okay? Um, let's see here. There's a couple tripping calls. Don and Oliveri got in on Sportsman-like minor at the end of the period, at the 1930, along with a roughing call. Now, if you watch that play at the 1930 mark, I think, I think if you had 10 people watch the same play, they might come up with, like, six or seven different penalties that could have been that would have been called or their thought process would have been different on that. I I don't know how a guy who comes up and the Watertown Wolf guy is down basically on the ice and turns around and basically slashes the back of Donald Oliveri's uh, legs, how that's not called slashing. And yet when Donald Oliveri falls on top of the guy, they call that roughing. And then, of course, he mouthed off and got the unsportsmanlike conduct, right? So you're down basically for four minutes. Um, I, I think at this point, the Black Bears were so frustrated. You know, they, they were very, very frustrated in this game at that point when they got to, to that. So you go into the third period, right? And on the power play, because of that um, play, um, at the 315 mark, Michael Mercurio scores a power play goal. Okay? So it, it then changed after that. Now... There was a play in the third period. Well, first of all, Andrew Logar scores on the power play at the 554 mark. That makes it now a 5-2 game, okay? Connor Smith scores at the 936 mark. JT Walters uh, scores. Tyson Kirkby scores the uh, game-tying goal at the 1621 mark. Now, where the controversy comes in in this game Again, referees making horrible calls and calls that just don't make any sense at all is that Tyson Kirkby uh, had a, a goal disallowed when there was contact made with the goaltender, okay? 
And with there being contact made with the goaltender, they sat for five and a half minutes and reviewed what was probably just two angles. And they they reversed the call, right? So they call it back. It goes from 5-4 to 5-3 again, right? And this is just before J.T. Walters scored to make it 5-4. So J.T. Walters gets the goal at 14-32 mark. And then Tyson Kirkby scores a goal that wasn't a goal. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. I, they, If you listen to Brooks Hill, he says, what a great save. And it was a great save. It really was a great save. Um, using the stick, poking it away. It was about six inches from my estimation from looking at the video. It was six inches from the line. It wasn't even close. They didn't review it. The Wolves basically were refusing to go to the center ice circle for the faceoff because they wanted wanted this reviewed. I mean, they just reviewed another goal that they had disallowed, and somehow this goal was allowed. I don't know what the referee saw, but it wasn't a goal. It was not a goal. It should not have counted. But it counted, and it goes into the record book as a goal, and it shouldn't have. It's that simple. The referees made a spectacle of this game. The, the first, these two games, they did a disjustice to both the Black Bears and to the Watertown Wolves. And, and, and that's how I really feel about it, okay? Um, they did a disjustice. They really screwed up these games. And people in the league know this. You know, it was told to me by a source that the league was recognizes that the embellishment call should have never happened. Um, that the uh, equipment violation was misinterpreted completely. So I can tell you right now that, you know, the one thing that the, that the this league really needs to work on, they need to figure out the officiating. They need to get better officials. Now, of course, in the SP and the ECHL, they all got crappy officials. I think there's better systems probably in those two leagues right now, definitely in the American Hockey League where they're training these guys to go up to the NHL. But it is really bad right now in the FBHL. Also, on Saturday night, I believe it was Saturday night, there was a, a goal in the Motor City game that wasn't even close, and somehow they called it. And nobody knows how. It, it, it's really bad. It, it's something that the league needs to work on. Um, I think I, I, I would be in a more rotten mood if it affected the, the Black Bears getting into the playoffs, right? Uh, but it, it's something that needs to be worked on. It, it was terrible. Just terrible. Um, I hate to say it. Either way, and, and, and I agree with Jeff Barrett from the Watertown Wolves, who we had on uh, the, just you know last Thursday here on the Power Play Post Show. It really ruined the great effort by both of these teams in this game, right? Because you have to understand, Watertown was up five to one, and then Black Bear started to make a comeback. That's what makes these games kind of great is that. But then you have the referees getting so involved in this. It just it's just horrible. So the the two teams go into overtime. Um, there there was other stuff that happened within this. There was uh, you know uh, Spencer Kozlowski got a ten minute misconduct at the sixteen twenty nine mark of, of the third period. He was getting frustrated at that point. Um, let's see here. Uh, there really you know a lot of just really 
penalty ridden game. And I got to be honest, Tyson Kirby kept talking to the officials because he was tripped like three times and it wasn't wasn't called. And then there was other things, just horrible, but on both sides that just weren't called or just called very inconsistently or maybe with the wrong intent. I mean, if there's a referee listening to this, you know, listen, I'm not trying to beat you guys down. I don't think you're getting the best training probably from the FBHL. I don't even think they can train you. What are they going to do? Have a meeting with Paul Jean and Dave Jackson to and stuff and it, I don't know it's it's crazy either way so we make it through the overtime there was a couple penalties in overtime holding minor uh for Liam Anderson Tate uh, T- Leeson got one uh Nico Hemming got one at the end of the overtime for abuse of officials a game misconduct um it was just crazy um by the way Nico uh Hemming also was the one that served the Spencer Klozowski uh unsportsmanlike conduct for 10 minutes so he basically sat for the rest of the third period and pretty much the overtime in the penalty box watching watching this because you, you have to take someone off the ice at that point for 10 minutes. So either way, we go to the shootout, right? And uh, Spencer Kozlowski had a great first half of the game. Second half of the game I don't think was all that great, but he did face a lot of shots in the third period, 26 shots. He did give up four, but, you know, they, they were tough. Binghamton just comes at you, and they just come at you, and they just come at you, and they just come at you, and they pepper you with shots, and they just continue to go. Either way, so uh, Tate Lee singles first for the Watertown Wolves, no goal. Andrew Logar comes in, no goal. Carter Thornton, no goal. Tyson Kirkby, no goal. Uh, Joshua Tomasi, no goal. Connor Smith comes in, boom, scores the game winner in the shootout for the Black Bears to get the win. Again, another sellout, 48-93. We'll talk about that in just a little bit as well and the importance of that sellout. And the Black Bears obviously get a two-point win. So they get two points. Uh, four go- four of that. those points go towards the uh, magic number. And the Black Bears are now just three points away from clinching a playoff spot. Okay? We move to... The next day, which is of course the um, the the game in Danbury that just happened uh, just a couple hours ago, just finished up a four-two win for the Binghamton Black Bears. In this win, of course, they get their three points that they needed to clinch a playoff spot. So they clinch a playoff spot. However, boy, what a game, right? You know, because uh, this game had a little bit of everything as well. Um, and uh, there was some fighting uh, between Connor Smith and Chase Harwell. I mean, Connor Smith, first pro fight, I think. I don't think he's fought before, and he's a cowboy. He's a big boy. I don't know if anybody that uh, should or want to go after him. An equipment manager that gets tossed from the game at the end of the game, gets a game misconduct, so some crazy stuff. And no, it wasn't Dylan. Nope, definitely not Dylan. Dylan did not get a uh, game misconduct. I- I'm going to guess that Dylan probably doesn't didn't do anything. Uh, to, uh, to and he wouldn't. I mean, he's not going to uh, risk anything uh, for the Binghamton Black Bears. But in this game, first period, Binghamton gets a, a goal by one of the rookies, Andrew Utoro. His third goal now in four games played, three games played, something like that. Uh, Andrew Utoro gets a goal, and uh, he's uh, you know got the Black Bears. At the end of the first period, basically 17-28, Mark gets them on the board. Then in the second period, two goals, one by Johnny Rees, uh, shorthanded goal 
um, at the 412 mark as the Black Bears were on the power play. I've seen that a few too many times probably this year. Um, I think it's that's the fifth shorthanded goal they've given up. Uh, the the Black Bears get a power play goal from Daniel Stone, his third of the year um, at the 904 mark. And by the way, it was Dan Stone that was in the box when Johnny Rees um, scored. Well, no, Chase Harwood scored at the 1428 uh, mark of the third period. Um, that made it a tie game, right? So we're tie tied at the 1428 mark. And then in the third period at the 1710 mark, Peter Izzo playing in his pro debut, first game of his pro career. He scores at the 1710 mark, getting the game winner in Danbury. I mean, this guy is just automatically put into the rivalry. The fans there more than likely hate him already and have probably already sent, uh, you know, threats his way just because he did that um, there in his first game. And he had family there. That's the best part. He had family, friends there. Um, so he just made an enemy of the place that all of his friends and family were at watching him play in his pro debut. But congratulations to Peter Izzo. Hopefully we'll get to know a little bit more about these college players um, over the next week or two. Uh, Tyson Kirkby then scored an empty net goal at the 1858 mark of the third period. And this game was pretty much done. The uh, the Danbury Hattricks outshot the Black Bears 44-33. to And they kind of dominated the shooting lanes a lot in this game. Um, but, you know, again, I, I can't say I can't say enough about Nolan Egbert. This weekend, what he did, and, and let's let's talk about this for a quick second. Nolan Egbert played in the Friday night game, start, probably came into it, didn't know he was going to be starting. I'm pretty sure that Connor McAnanima was still slated to start on Friday night when they went into that. And then was he he went to urgent care and then he Basically, uh, was out sick, basically. Um, so he did not play. Then on Saturday, Sam Levecchi started, was pulled uh, halfway through the second period. And, of course, then Nolan came in. The Black Bears came back. He made a lot of great saves in that game. I, I got to be honest with you. I know that the Black Bears had to score goals, and they did. And there was a phantom one, and there was one taken away, so on and so forth. Either way, and they go into the shootout. But he made all three saves in the shootout that he needed to make. He made about three or four very high-grade beautiful saves, high-grade shots that he made beautiful saves in that game on Saturday night. He was one of the big reasons why they won, right? And then, of course, then tonight, he saves 42 of 44 shots against the Danbury Hattricks. I'm I'm sorry, but you gotta gotta give him props. You know, um, I did I I did talk to him after Saturday's game. Congratulated him. Wanted to shake his hand. He did a great job. And then I texted him today. Eggy's a great guy. Everybody knows it. If you talk to him, you know how good of a dude he is, right? And I'll say that because of a quote that I will read to you guys here in just a couple minutes. But either way, Eggie gets three wins on the weekend. Three wins, guys. He, he just catapulted his way um, into you know some pretty good numbers for himself. I'm going to pull up his uh, stat sheet right now because I want you guys uh, to, 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 to really see 
what he did this weekend. And maybe if I do a little bit of a quick math, I can give you some really good numbers uh, for Nolan, right? So let's go to his game logs. First of all, he's got eight wins now on the season. Eight wins on the season, two losses. His goals against average is 3.12. Really good. Really good. It, it was in the mid threes. And now it's in, now it's coming back down and everything. His save percentage is, is eight ninety two. He's had a couple games where he's given up a two or three goals where you know there's only like twenty shots, twenty two shots, that type of thing, and that kind of hurts your save percentage just a little bit. But his goals against is coming down and everything, which is which is good. And he's eight two zero and one. Well, eight two and one, right? One overtime loss, two losses, and eight wins, right? But let's look at. Uh, Something that's very important. First of all, he played in all three games this weekend, which is which is great. I don't think we've had a goaltender do that this year, but he's done that. All right, so he had 44 save attempts in tonight's game against Danbury, then 18, then 28 um, in the first Watertown game. So that's 16. We'll carry the one that's 80 shots. Okay, so he had he faced 80 shots this weekend between the three games. Yep. I like that. Then he had 42, 17, and 25. Okay, so that's 12, 14. He basically only gave up. Well, that should be 79, right? I did my math wrong here. 42... 17 and 25 saves. That is 12, 14, 84. Yeah, so he saved. Uh, the math doesn't work here. So 8 and 8 is 16. Oh, that's 20, so that's going to be 90. Yeah, yeah, that, that, okay. So in 90 save attempts, he had 84 saves. Great job. Awesome, awesome, right? Nine four. Uh, so basically, in the last two games, he had a 96 save percentage and a 94 save percentage. Uh, pretty awesome. Did a great job. I just want to give him credit for that. And I had to do some math on a Sunday night, guys, and it did not go well. Um, so great job with him. Let's move on from there. Nolan did great, and uh, uh, we'll hear a little bit more about it. Okay, so now to clinch a division title. Uh, thank you to Gary Ryan again for this information. The Black Bears need 25 points to earn a division title. And I can tell you right now, I talked to the guys on Tuesday, and a few people mentioned how they want a division title banner hanging up in that arena for the Black Bears. They really want it. They see the other ones from the AHL guys and from the UHL guys, right? And they want one up there for a division title, right? So if they, any combination of Black Bear wins and Rockers losses, right? So to get 25 points, that means right now, if they win nine out of their final 17 games, that's 27 points. And guess what? They will win the division, right? So the combination doesn't even have to be nine wins of our own. It could be a different uh, different combinations of, of losses and, and, and whatnot. So very cool thing there. Um, quotes from Brant Sherwood. All right, so I spoke to Brant um, after the game tonight as the, the bus was heading back uh, to Binghamton um, on clinching the playoffs. To be able to say we clinched the playoffs in February is an outstanding achievement for the team. These guys are resilient, 
almost different lines in deep pairings the past three weekends. They just find a way to make it work and never quit. Without a doubt, I agree 100% with Brant here. They just never, ever quit. Okay, on Eggy's performance, because I asked him specifically about this. I know um, I talked to him in the office on Tuesday last week about the goaltending situation. On Eggy's performance, Eggy stood on his head all weekend. I don't know which night was more impressive. Being asked to come in relief and shut the door the way he did shows his mental toughness. Then today, without Eggy's performance, we don't win that game. The boys pump his tires and he just stays humble. Just an overall good dude. 100% agree. Very good dude. Very much enjoyed my time uh, talking with Eggy so far this year. From a guy who's been on the IR, went up into the booth and worked with Brooks Hill for just a little bit, he has been really impressive. Um, I, I I must say that I've been very happy with that. So listen, the black I I I could have gone into rants about a lot of stuff, the Jesse Anderson stuff, the the craziness with the referees. But you know what? Let's 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 really just continue the positivity here. They made the playoffs. Congratulations, three years in a row. They've gone into the playoffs, and we'll see how the playoffs go when we get there. But right now, it's about fine tuning the game, right? Fine tuning the team and the roster, and getting the right uh, pieces in order for the Black Bears, right? So let's look at the roster just for a second because I want to mention a few things before we get to my interview with Dylan, okay? So one of the things that we got to look at. So Andrew Uturo has already played seven games. He's got three goals, three assists for six points. He's already eligible to make the playoffs. Jake Schultz needs to play in eight more games to be eligible for the playoffs. Everybody above him can make the playoffs. Even Matthew Ballard is eligible to make the playoffs because he's played in 18 games for the Binghamton Senator or for the Binghamton Black Bears. Now, Mac Lewis, if he were to return, needs to play in seven more games. Below those guys is Taylor McCloy, right? I'm not sure what that situation is going to turn into because he can't travel. So I don't know what's going to happen. He's probably not going to play next week in Elmira, but maybe he will. Maybe he will be eligible to play next week in Elmira. Then you have Peter Izzo, who played in his first professional game. Um, and uh, scored a goal. You have uh, Jonas Lees, who played in his professional game last week. Now, understand this. Um, if you were missing some of the college players and going, hey, what happened, you know, uh, Jonas Lees and stuff like that, some guys had to go back and take finals, right? So the guys were able to come in for the weekend and play, but they may have to take finals and take care of some college stuff first to finish. Their college hockey playing season is over with, but they might have still some commitments to take care of for finals and testing, okay? So that's why we were a little light on staff. We were playing one man short than we, than we, than we could have today or maybe two men I know we played with it, it was a short bench let's just put it that way right but either way so Peter Izzo needs to play in four more games to be eligible Steven Jervis uh, uh, needs to play in three more games and then Jonas Lees needs to play in four more games and we don't know there might be another guy come in because you can have five college kids I will also say this there will be another roster thing uh taking you know place this upcoming week um so we'll cover that when that is announced by the team um and uh 
So it'll be very interesting. Justin Samaro came back. He scored a goal and everything. He's got 22 games played, so he's good. So the, so the roster, I think, is going to be okay. Again, Gavin Yates will be back, right? Matthew Bullard may come back before the end of the season. We did see him in the chat today. He was uh, saying hello uh, to, to Brooksy and everything. Right, so Matthew Ballard could come back. So there are going to be reinforcements. Hopefully, going forward, the team won't be as light on game day roster staff as going forward. Uh, the last thing I do want to mention is, is that at the end of the Danbury game today, uh, there was an incident with their equipment manager, uh, abusive officials of some sort, or inciting. I think he was trying to incite somebody. You know, inciting is usually you're going after somebody on the opposing team and trying to get them to to do something. I don't know what that was about. I'll try to get more information if I can and talk about it on Thursday's uh, broadcast. But Thursday's broadcast is really going to be about an interview and, of course, playing against the Amira River Sharks on Friday. This was supposed to be a weekend where everyone was supposed to be off, but the first game of the regular season for the River Sharks had to be uh, delayed and moved to this date, and so it was. All right. I've talked way too much about this weekend, but there was a lot to cover, a lot to go over. And uh, But I am excited for you guys to hear this interview. Uh, he is one of the nicest people that's associated with this organization. I also want to mention, hey, I met Trevor this weekend for the first time. Trevor, it was great to talk to you. Thank you very much for the nice words as well. Uh, you guys are doing a great job. Five sellouts. Let's get a one more, maybe two more. All right. And the reason why, I see, I have one more thing I want to talk about. It's the sellouts. Okay. Fans, you've done a great job and everything. Um, just, just, you know, getting to this thing. But I really want to highlight the Big to Black Bear staff. That staff up top, I'll tell you what, if, if, if they do better than last year, Andreas, if you're listening to this, you need to give them a raise. I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody up top needs to get a little bit of a raise because they've done such a great job. Right now, the Black Bears are at 3867 average. 81,208 people have gone through the turnstiles for the Binghamton Black Bears this year through 21 games. That's impressive. Why is that impressive? I'll tell you why that's impressive. Okay. They have five sellouts right now this year. The last two years each, they've had two sellouts. The last year, the Devils. Zero sellouts, and that was the I'm counting the 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 year that they played in Binghamton. The second year of the Devils, they had two sellouts. The Devils' first season, they had six sellouts. Before that, you have to go back to 2007 and 2008 when the Binghamton Senators had five sellouts. All right, and these guys are doing it on 28 games and at home where. The Senators had 40 games, and even the Devils were playing with 28 or 38 uh, home games on the schedule, even though that last season, because of COVID, they only played 32 home games. I can tell you right now, it is more impressive what they're doing here with the Black Bears than what the Devils in the last five or six years of the Senators. They just couldn't pull in the fans, and they're out-averaging the Senators all the way back to... Really, 2008-2009 when they averaged 39-17, okay? Every other year, they're going to out-average them. And it's very possible that this year they'll out-average the first year of the Devils where they averaged 38-96 with 38 games. They had more games to get people in there. An impressive thing. Trevor, 
everybody, the staff has done a phenomenal job. I can't, I can't say enough. I've already said too much because this segment has gone way too long, and I want to get to Dylan next and everything here on the Power Play Post Show. But I really had to bring that up, five sellouts. And Trevor told me they have a chance to get another sellout. And I talked to Trevor on Friday night, and he said then, and then I think he thinks there's going to be another one coming up. And I talked to Brooks a little bit about that, and it's a possibility, right? So uh, if they can get to a six sellout, that'd be great. It'd be uh, tied with the, the, the Devils' first season, and then you go all the way back to 2007, 2008, since the last time they've had that many fans in the stands in a sellout. That's pretty impressive. I'll tell you what, hockey's not dead in Binghamton. It really is not. Okay, so with that being said, coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show is Binghamton Black Bears head equipment manager, Dylan Konecki. We'll be right back, right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. Hi, this is Don Biggs from the 92-93 Binghamton Rangers. Hi, this is Brandon Bochinski. This is Grady Wittenberg, the voice of the Binghamton Senators, and you're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. I'm really glad to have this gentleman on. He might be a little excited to be on this show. He listens to this show. He works for the Binghamton Black Bears. He is their equipment manager, head equipment manager, right? Because you have an assistant. That's right. I think think you do and everything. We'll talk about that in uh, just a little bit. But he is Dylan Konechny. Dylan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for having me. Uh, Dylan, so first of all, let's talk a little bit about you grew up in the Union Endicott area. You went to Union Endicott High School. You played uh, high school hockey and then also played uh, for BCC. Talk a little bit about youth sports for you. Did it start with hockey first or was there some baseball, some football in there as well? So uh, hockey was first. I started skating when I was four years old um, on the grandma's pond. She would help me up when I would fall. That's her claim to fame. Um, And then I started playing baseball. all the way through high school. I actually didn't play high school baseball because our um, our baseball team was just drastically good. Like we had freshmen freshmen that were starting at varsity, and they all went to d- Division One schools. Um, so I just played on a travel team for baseball. And then uh, growing up, my parents actually told me that I was better at baseball than I was hockey. But I just loved hockey so much that I pursued hockey more than I did baseball. How how much of having a team here at the arena? inspired you to want to continue to play youth hockey and whatnot did you come to the games you know senators and and uh, you know well devils you were already working here but like in the senators years how much of coming here helped inspire that season tickets never yeah. missed a game especially okay. during the senators days that was you know my heyday of watching i was little the ice bin was a little bit when i first started i was a little young for them um right. but the senators i had season tickets Never missed a game. I, I was always at the games. I love it here. So, so, so tell the fans how important 2011 was because for someone like me, hockey fan since 1980 here in the Binghamton area, that 2011 season was like the greatest season we've ever had because we didn't even we weren't even projected to get into the playoffs. So, talk a little bit about how, as a you know teenager, young person, how much that season meant. That was probably one of the wildest experiences of my life, like coming to games. Um, everybody remembers the years with Spezza, and we were the number one team in the, in the league, and we got swept through the first round. And 
after that, we were never really that good, like you just said. We weren't even supposed Five to make straight years yeah, missing the playoffs. We weren't even supposed to make playoffs that year, and we we did in like the last day of the season because three teams lost and one team won. <laughs> I don't even know. And then we were down three zero in the first round. We came back, um, made it all the way to the conference finals. They swept that series. And then, I don't know if you remember, the, the one section was filled with just Ottawa Senators yeah. fans. That they yeah, that drove. was so cool, so cool that they came down to support, yeah. you know, the Well, that's, that's what it was. You know, Ottawa wasn't very good at the time. No. So once they were done with playoffs, we got their crop of young guys and everything. And that's why they, I, th- I think they won. Yeah. Um, but, like, walking out, I remember the final game here before they went to Houston, walking out to the parking garage where our car was, and it was Wild, just the we want the cup chance everywhere. You can't hack it. You can't hack it. That's probably one of my favorite chants to this day that I've ever yeah. heard. And at the time, I was like, "How old were you at, at that point?" <sighs> Man, because it influences you. Something yeah. seeing something like that influences young people to want to be a part of something like that, right? And now you're here in this situation, right? right. And we're talking, you know, tw- twelve years later, and. 13 years later, and now you're in a situation where a team is really, really good. So how old were you? Middle school, probably. Yeah. Like maybe freshman year. And you were playing hockey at that time, too, as well, right? So that's... Yep, SCHA just around here, and that was... I don't even know how to explain it. It was just the coolest thing, and like having a championship come through here in Binghamton was wild, and that's why I love this team, and I love working here, is because I saw with my own eyes what this city did yeah. when we won a championship. Yeah, and I'm it's like, pretty cool. boys, we win this one? Like, it's going to be crazy. And people forget sometimes, but when it turned around for the Binghamton Senators was when they traded for Ryan Platoni, and they brought him in. He went on to that first line with Ryan Keller. It was, it, they were lights out. Horrible game. Clutch, Captain Clutch. You know, the things that they did, it was just amazing. Yep, yeah. I agree. Um, so, okay, so you played high school hockey. Yep. You played BCC hockey and everything, um, and not for one of the really bad teams. As you not, have, no, you no, only, only, to me. only team to make nationals. Which is, okay, so talk about that. Talk about that season a little bit. Uh, growing up, my brother played, so I actually mm-hmm. kind of followed his footsteps into Broom through high school and all that. Um, Broom was always just bad. They never were good. They were never good. And then we just got a bunch of recruits coming in from all around New York State. We actually had a kid come from Arizona. Wow. Which was wild to come play junior college hockey. Right. Um, but we just had a good group of guys, and I don't know. We just all bought into the system, I guess, and we were good. What was the system? What what kind of hockey did you guys play? Because obviously, you know, what, what people have to understand about college hockey is that it's physical. It can be very, very physical, yep. but you can't fight. Right. So there's a line that is drawn sometimes in the sand of what you can do, what you can't right. do, and sometimes people get a little dirty and stuff. But what was the system like for you guys that season? Just fast and physical. That's all we tried to do. But, I mean, there were some teams that were better than us, obviously, sure. but we had a tough time with them. But we just, like I said, we just tried to play physical and fast, and it worked out for us, I guess. Why do you think college hockey in for BCC ended? Why do you think it stopped? Your opinion. You were a player there, you played there, maybe not up to the point where it stopped, but why do you think that BCC doesn't have college hockey anymore? Probably funding. Yeah. Hockey is one of those sports where it's, I don't want to say it's easier for people to get hurt, but it's physical. So if I had to guess, it would be funding, and there was a lot of talks with the rink going on and BU buying it and all this stuff. So the whole league folded after we left, after I played for two years and one more year they had, and then the whole league folded, so... I don't really have an answer, but probably funding, I would assume. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about how, how did you get connected with the Devils? With the Devils was uh, the old equipment manager here, Tyler, got my foot into the door. Right. And uh, that was, yeah, that was it. And, and just a, you were the assistant at that time, right? Yeah, I was just uh, the water boy. I filled up oh, okay. waters during intermissions and uh, got guys' gloves off the dryers for them. Just... Now, were you in college at the time, or how did you know that play out No, in your life? No, I was out of college at the time. I just wanted to get... I said on Tully's, I never thought I was good enough to play pro, even maybe in this level, right? But right. I saw that. This was a way. Come on, you could skate with those guys, right? I could Come skate on. with these right, guys. All right, I personally think I could skate with them if I worked out a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how you would match up with Jake Schultz. He's freaking a monster. Well, we, we, we skated at an outdoor rink the other day, and uh, yeah. Smitty was having a tough time getting the puck for me. But he's so long, really? I just kept pushing it away from him, yeah. and he finally grabbed me. Well, sometimes me. your size, a little shorter, stockier kind of guy, you know, has an advantage over a guy who has – monkey arms. I mean, yeah. literally, I'm the same way. Yeah. I mean, I have really long arms, and it doesn't play to my favor right. sometimes. Right. That's, well, that's what he did. He just ended up grabbing <laughs> me and picking me up and throwing me around. So, But, yeah. But getting involved with, with the Devils, you know, kind of becoming an assistant equipment manager or water boy, whatever you want to call it and everything, um, that did you ever think, well, wait a second, I can turn this into a career? Yeah. Once they, they uh, realized that I actually kind of took an interest in this stuff, and they started showing me a lot more. Let me be more hands-on with actual guys' equipment. And I, I don't know. Call me weird. I love it. I Is love there a trust factor that has to happen between the players and the equipment manager? For sure. For now, sure. And, and, and specifically, I think, obviously, for the skates, yeah. right? The blades, yeah. that is a weird thing because you and I were talking a little bit off-air about taping the sticks, right? That is such a personal thing. Personal. And I remember doing it as a kid and everything. And I don't remember anyone ever doing it for me and stuff. But – you know, sharpening skates, how difficult is it to figure that out for a player? Not, it's not super difficult. Like, it's a, I don't know how to answer that. It's, uh, because some guys like it differently than others. Yeah, right? yeah. some guys like it super sharp. Some guys like it dull, just cutting into the ice more. But different ice surfaces change sure. that. So here at the arena, we have very soft ice Okay. Yeah. where you're digging in a lot more. So, you know more so than Danbury, where Danbury is super cold and just hard ice. So right. some guys switch depending on where we go. But for So the, you have to maybe change someone's skates when they are in Danbury versus here in Binghamton? Yeah, sometimes. Wow. Sometimes. Okay. Um, that's that's actually interesting. What other things other than you know sharpening skates is like the big thing that you have to do for these guys? Just remember everything. <laughs> I try to get... Everything. No, but I don't think people understand that. Kind of explain what you mean by that, because you're basically in charge of all this gear that I'm looking at. We're sitting here in the locker room right now for the Black Bears, and pretty much all, none of these guys will pack their own stuff, right? So they do. Or do they do? They pack their own bags. Um, okay. The only thing that I do is I pull them, so like I'll reach underneath here, okay. and I'll grab their bags out, and it just sits in front of their stalls. Yeah. And I hand out jerseys and socks to them, and okay. I give them Gatorade towels too. Where are the jerseys? Like, we're sitting here right now. I see no jerseys, like, in the stalls. Like, like in the videos that you – listen, you put out some pretty cool videos and everything. And everyone should really find Dylan's social media and check it out because he opens up your eyes to all the work that you do. And you told me, he goes, I want people to see how yeah. hard I work. Yeah. And all the equipment managers in all of pro hockey, they all work really, really hard and everything. So where are the jerseys kept? So you go out here by Coach's office. Yeah. If you just keep going past Coach's office. So there's a special spot for the there's a room back there. There's yeah. a room back there. Right, I'll okay. show you after. I have okay, every gotcha. single jersey in there. 
Gotcha. All the spares, everything. And, and like, there's like what four or five different sets of jerseys in there, right? Because yeah. there is yeah, the, we have four. the Night Rangers, these the Home, the Way, and, and the Greens, and then the Greens. Yep. Right. So okay. Yep. So now, is that the hardest part? Is not forgetting things. Yes. Yes. Now you told me a story about forgetting something for Matthew Bullard. Can yep. you explain? Can you can you tell this that story because it's not to make you look bad, but right. it's just to show how difficult it is. Tell the story about Matthew Bullard and something that you forgot for him. It's a very small yep. minor thing. So yeah. yeah, we were going to uh, Delaware last year, and um, basically right before we packed everything up and getting loaded, Matthew told me that his skate was falling apart. Mm. So I ran into my room, took you know his sole out, his laces out, got his skate fixed up for him, put his his laces back in, forgot to put the sole in. Right. So we got all the way to Danbury, and he comes in, and he's, Dill, where's my, where's my sole? You know, it was a French accent. <laughs> yep. And I was just like, what do you mean, where's your sole? Like, I, it's in your skate. And he's like, no, 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 it's not in my skate. I left it here sitting. And so we had to use his shoe. Um, Take the sole, sole out Which, it's not a big deal, but it was definitely uncomfortable for him. It wasn't what he's used to. So. And the guys... They put a lot of trust in you to make sure that you have everything on the road. Yeah. You were actually telling me that sometimes it's like you're 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 sitting on the bus or in a hotel room going, "Did I remember everything?" Every road trip, not so much like if we go to Elmira or something, or even like all the equipment guys around here. They love me. We have a really good rela- a relationship with all of them. So if I ever need anything, you I, can go over to yes, the other say my sharpener broke or something while right. we we're there, and I could. So you take a portable sharpener yeah. with you? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That little red one, I take it with me. It's our portable. Never turns on here. It just stays in the box and goes with us. But you can sometimes communicate with some of the other equipment managers on the road and go, "Hey, I forgot this, or I need yeah. this, or can you help me with this?" Yeah. And vice versa. They they do the same to me. So. Gotcha. Well, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the visitor locker room in a long time here at the arena and stuff. Probably hasn't changed much. It probably hasn't changed much. Yeah, I mean, they put they put the money here in the the, the home for, the home rank for a visiting locker room. It's not it's, bad. It's really nice. It's really yeah. nice. Okay. Um, like when we go places, uh, that's why my days are so long when we're on the road, mm-hmm. like in Motor City. You know, we had a locker room that didn't have heat or fans or anything like that. What? So I get there. 7 o'clock in the morning, and the first thing I'm doing is taking shoulder pads, elbow pads, gloves, and I'm putting them on the glove dryers. Okay. And that takes, I mean, you have 20 guys. Yeah. So that takes all day long to just constantly rotate that. How many dryers are there? Two. Two. Two glove dryers. So you're going through 10 cycles, yeah. basically, yeah. you know, just to get yeah. everybody's stuff warmed up, dry, whatever it might yep. be, and yep. everything. Um, the relationship between equipment manager and player, have you found that to be one where it's different? based on each player like is there do you have a different relationship with one guy versus another guy versus another guy because i would imagine that the equipment manager needs to have relationships with all these guys talk about that a little bit i love every single one of these guys you know fletch is probably one of my best friends on the team um so is we've said some really nice things about uh fletch why what what is it about fletch that you like so much Uh, he's just a nice guy he's just so nice just I don't know, give you the shirt off his back if you needed it. I don't know. He's just a goofy guy to be around. He's always smiling. He's always trying to keep the vibe up. Um, I, don't, I just love the guy. But the, these relationships are important, right? Oh, very, very. Like, like you said, they have to trust me. Yeah. If they don't trust me, it doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? They have to have full trust that I did a good job on their skates to go out there. And if it's not, they'll let me know, you know, and yeah. I'll, I'll adjust it and I'll fix it for them. But 
are they a dick about it or are they kind of like, hey, no, it just it didn't feel they, right uh, this time or something like that? Just like that. They <laughs> they know that I'm pretty good at sharpening. So if there's something wrong, it's not a major problem and they'll let me know. But it's I'm pretty good at it, so there's not too many complaints from them. Unless they say it behind closed doors. But What has been the – I mean we know the road trip. You sent the video to me, and I posted it. I was like, I'm up at 7 o'clock in the morning. He's up at 7 o'clock in the morning. I think you guys were in Jamestown. Yep. So this was probably like what, um, uh, Sunday morning for this last four and four games and six nights yep. uh, trip and everything. And you sent me the video and everything, and I posted it and whatnot. That's, it, that took me back to travel hockey days, right? G- getting into a, a hotel and like everyone's equipment is somewhere, and you know you didn't really have. Sometimes in travel hockey, you didn't have a, an equipment right. manager. You did all the stuff right. as a kid yourself. Packed it, unpacked it, tried to get it dried out and everything. And the place stunk, you know, and everything, right? You know, it's, it smelled like a locker room, yep. right? Essentially, and everything. Um, talk about that weekend, and did, it was just obviously this, you know, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. But just talk a little bit about how tough it is, how hard it is. You had no help that weekend, right? Uh, I brought Jeets with me, John Brown. He's okay. my he's my assistant. Yeah. Um, I brought him with me, so he was a drastic help um, for me. Like doing that all by myself would have. Was there enough space on the bus to have a oh yeah assistant yep. on yep. there? Yep. Yeah, yep. Okay. We had enough space this trip. Um, but yeah, he was there to help me. Like I said, he drastically helped me out. But that was just, that was a tough trip. Like in Motor City, so we played Friday night. Yeah. And then after the game, we had to move locker rooms because there was. Yeah, well, tell me about that. Why Why did that have to happen? <clears throat> there was a like 14U girls <laughs> hockey tournament going on. So it's a community rink, which sure. it is what it is. You know, it's a community rink. So they, they were using the locker rooms that we had. So we had to move into this little tiny thing. And uh, <laughs> so you had to basically set up for Friday's game, tear down, and then reset up again for Saturday's yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so we moved into this little tiny room, and the the arena guy was like, "You'll be able to get it back into your locker rooms that you were in the night before at four o'clock in the afternoon." <laughs> that gives you no time. I said four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> like, our, the bus is going to be here at three forty. That's not going to work. So I grabbed a vacuum. I vacuumed this whole room, made it look really nice. Right. Then they came over and told me that. I could move into the locker room at 2 o'clock. So John and I loaded up everybody's bags, yeah. carried them down the hallway, yeah. set everything up in a matter of like half hour. And then I, I – not even kidding you, I set the last pair of socks out yeah. and the team came walking in. Like I had just enough time to get it set to the way that I – like to right and you're very particular because i mean I've, I've seen like even when you hang the jersey up you do it a certain way where did you get that from where where did your style of getting you know the locker room ready for a game where did that come from from the devils uh, from brian search and chris murphy who were my bosses back then everything that i i learned and i know i follow exactly what they taught me so this locker room is set up just like the devil's had sure yeah i remember for the most part i mean there's some additions you know but gear wise it's identical to how they set it up gotcha and 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 you're taking kind of like that ahl pro style to um here so these guys are seeing stuff and 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 honestly look we, we were talking with sam Levici, just um, I still said it wrong. Didn't I? <laughs> oh my God, he's going to kill me, Sam. Sorry, sorry about that. I will get it right eventually. Um, 
but they've gone up to Syracuse a couple times yep. now. Sam has gone up a couple times. The other uh, Mac and and Eggy have gotten to go up, and they've gotten to see what a pro. And, and but they're already getting that from you yep. because you were here with the HL yep. Devils and whatnot. How important do you think that is that those guys get to see that and get to experience what you do? And it's kind of like patting yourself on the back a little bit. So right. pat yourself on the back a little bit and everything. And and how important do you think it is for these guys to see that? Very important. Just the fact that these guys can consider themselves a pro. And my, my main thing is when these guys walk through that door in the morning, mm-hmm. I don't want them thinking anything else but putting my gear on and playing hockey. So right. everything, like, I don't know. It's just work ethic, you know, I – I would do this in the NHL if I was in the NHL. Right. So I do it for these guys. And that's guys. your goal, right? Yeah, you want to yeah. get there. You want to turn this into a full-time career. Correct. Well, Correct. I mean, it's full-time already for right. you right now, but right. you know what I mean. I want to be big time, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and, and that means starting here, maybe ECHL, AHL, whatever, yeah. and, and, and on your way up and everything. All right, let's talk about some fun things first, right. okay? Uh, your favorite, obviously, NHL team is the New York Rangers. Correct. All right. Where did that come from? My brother. Okay. I just remember going to hang he's out. He's older, with, right? Yeah, he's, uh, what is he, five years, five, six, seven years, something like that. Older gotcha. than me. Yeah. Um, I just remember going over to his friend's house with him and watching the Rangers games with him and getting fired up for the first time. So, yeah, just from my brother. Gotcha. And your favorite NHL player is? Artemi Panarin. Right now. Uh, all time, though? All time? Hmm. All time favorite player. I was a big, even though I'm a Rangers fan, I was a big Stevie Y guy. Well, okay. I love Stevie Y. Yeah, well, he created a great system yeah, up there. Yeah. And all the stuff that he did with Detroit was just uh, top-notch, yeah, right? And right. I think then he went down to Tampa and helped mm-hmm. them, you know, really kind of build the culture down in Tampa. Now and he's back how, in Detroit. Yeah, and how great is that, that someone like him can go from one of the best markets in the world, go down to Tampa, help that, and then he's... I mean, him and Ken Holland. I mean, you think about what Ken Holland did in his career, and he started here in Binghamton. Right. He was in this locker yep. room, or what was probably at yeah, that point a time, locker yeah. room, wherever it was, and everything. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the great thing. You grew up here, obviously, in the Broome County area, Union Endicott and all that and everything. But hockey has been here since 1970, since I was born. Right. Basically, the year I was born, the year out, they were building this rink when I was when I was born, and a year later, they had hockey being played here and everything. How cool is that for you to know that Ken Holland started here in those early days and got up there, and you're trying to kind of mimic that type of scenario? And that was the duster days. That was the old North American yep. Hockey League. Yep. That was single A, double A maybe, maybe. you could call it, yeah. you know, um, back then. And, and now up there, there's a lot of history here. Oh, yeah. And how, what does that history mean to you? Everything being from here and seeing the players that have come through here, you know, like Spezza, mm-hmm. I mean, what was your first overall pick, and he came yeah. right to Binghamton. Um, Grand Rapids for a little bit before they came here, but yeah, exactly. I mean, he played three years here, yeah. Just seeing a bunch of these big names, like people forget Mark Stone was here, you know, <laughs> I, I, and now he's captain of the Vegas Golden Knights. Isn't that the coolest thing? It's incredible. Yeah. And then, even with the New Jersey system, you know, like when I work for the Devils, there's a lot of guys up in the NHL now that. You, <laughs> I have connections here. with you know, and yeah. So being a part of it in the history of hockey here in Binghamton, it's just everything I could dream of. Honestly, doing my dream job in my hometown is just incredible. And it's got one of the best fan bases in all of hockey. It's crazy. Would you, would you not agree? The first game 
I'll never forget it. I was here for Binghamton for yeah, the Black Bears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk about that. It was crazy. Like I worked for the Devils for three years. And it was never we bad. never had a crowd like that yeah. once for those guys. And then the fans coming down after the game, like I'm more famous than the players sometimes when I walk out there. People are screaming my name, and I'm just like, I, I don't, you know. But. Well, I know the feeling because uh, I, I came downstairs one night, and then you walked over, and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm Dylan, yep. big fan of your show and everything. Thank you very much. And I was like, okay. I was like, I, and I, I couldn't, I, yeah. I wouldn't have recognized you. I mean, I knew of you, yeah, yeah. but I wouldn't have recognized you, and you recognized me and everything. That's how cool hockey is here in Binghamton, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and the things that I've done and the things that you are now doing and everything, is, it's pretty cool. Um, what's the goal for you? For this team this year, win a championship. Wow, that's like, that's why immediate. we're here. That's why I'm here. It's, I treat these guys the way I do because I want them to just perform, and I win want a championship. I want a championship just as bad as Sherwood does as any of these guys. Will you go out on the ice for the team picture and be with them? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Absolutely, I'll drink out of the cup. I'll do whatever. <laughs> I want it bad, especially after last year. That taste last year. I mean, I was bawling in the locker room last oh, year. Really. Yeah, in Danbury. I didn't expect that, but wow. as soon as the game was over, I just lost it. Well, you weren't the only one. No. I mean, i got to no, imagine no, there was no, a few no. of the guys that were really upset. Yeah, I wasn't the only one, but it caught me by surprise. It's just, I love it here. I love it. Yeah. Um, one, one last thing for you. I remember when we won the cup here, Calder Cup and everything, big deal, and it was great. Um, I was talking with a couple of the players. We were at Dillinger's, and uh, they were like, hey, have you drank out of the cup yeah i was like well i didn't i didn't win you were with us this yeah, whole absolutely. season and everything you have to drink out of the cup and i was like i can't do that and everything and then they were like they're like well what can we get you to do with the cup and get a picture of it right, right? and um so that i so i kissed the cup i just kissed it right i didn't want to drink out of it that's a player's thing yeah maybe equipment manager yeah. coach that kind of people yeah. and everything maybe you know off you know the the people in the offices and stuff like that but i i kissed it and i gotta be honest with you to have that picture, to know that I covered the team the whole season, yep. I, and, and, and I, I didn't feel like I was a part of the team or anything right, like that, right. but they wanted me to do that. Best picture that I have from that whole season was just me. Uh, my best friend was on the other side of the, the cup smiling, and I was kissing the cup, and it was like, okay, and, and the players told me to do that. They wanted me to do that. Right. It was a pretty cool thing right. and everything. So I can only imagine the, the reaction when right. you guys get it eventually. Oh, we'll get it. We'll get it. It's like... That's the thing. I I want to move up, right? Yeah. So, I, I, winning do, a championship do, helps. Do I want this to be to my everybody. last year in Binghamton? Yeah, because I want to go up somewhere. Sure. Do I want to leave with a ring on this finger? Yes, I do, yeah. and I want that for the rest of my life because it's my hometown. You know, yeah. It's, you want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of it. Dylan, thank you very much for coming Absolutely. on. I really appreciate it. I'm. I want to say one thing though. First, I'm so happy that you guys listen. I'm glad that me telling your guys' stories matters to you guys. It's weird. I've interviewed a ton of AHL guys, and only a few of them really truly understood what I was trying to right. do for them. These guys seem to get it. It's great. I don't know what, why that is. It's just I think these guys just they're more personable. They that are. That makes sense. I, don't, I think are. it's just, I mean, those guys in the AHL, they were making big boy money. You yeah, know what I mean? So you have to understand that a little bit, you know? Or Even their little big boy money was still <laughs> yeah, a lot of yeah, big boy money. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, the, the skate with the players. If we lose a game, all of these guys are coming out to 
introduce, you know, talk to the fans. Yeah. With the Devils, you didn't see that too much because they're making mm-hmm. the money. You know what I mean? They don't they want to come to talk home. to fans. They wanted yeah. to go home, talk, see their girlfriends right. and stuff like that. Right. And everything. So. But yeah, I just had one more thing. Yeah, I, I yes, just, go ahead. I want to give Aiden, John, and uh, Chris, the guys who helped me on game days, just a huge shout out. I wouldn't really be able to do it without them. Yeah. Um, it takes a team. It's, it's a team. That's These guys are on board with me, and we run as a team, and I really just couldn't do it without those guys. So We also see sometimes um, some guys go out and clean up the ice. You know, the, uh, They go out with the shovels. Yeah, and the skate crew guys. Do you, do, you guys, do you have to kind of help manage those guys sometimes or whatever? No, no. Who handles those guys? Who? Because I'm sure they have a handler. <laughs> I think it's the booster club, to oh, really? be honest with you. I'm not really sure, but I think it is. But, yeah, no – They'll come in every One of the game. oldest booster clubs in hockey is here in Binghamton. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, since 73. Since and you can go back, and other than the, 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 the teams in the NHL that are older and a couple of the AHL teams, this is one of the longest and oldest booster clubs in North America. I had no idea. Isn't that, that crazy? I didn't know you that. Know, I mean, yeah. Hershey obviously beats us. Well, yeah, they've been uh, around since 1900. Springfield beats us. Uh, at least in the AHL, and then of course you have you know some teams that joined in the '60s, but otherwise, yeah, this is one of the oldest. I mean, you're top 25 of oldest cities to have pro hockey as long as we have. Right. Pretty cool. I, did, I had no idea about that. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know that. Cool, Dylan. Thank you very much Absolutely. for coming on. I thank really you for having me. I was awesome. a blast. Thank- for listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.